Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast and the series, There's More. This week, the big idea is keep running toward God even when you're disappointed and feel trapped. We're talking about the spiritual discipline of endurance based on a story found in Daniel chapter 6. Enjoy and thanks for listening. story is all too familiar. It's a story that involves people in authority and people with power who take it a little bit just too far. It's the kind of story that fills pages and books. It's the kind of story that sells tickets to see all of the action on the big screen. And this particular story takes place in a palace, but not just any palace. It's the palace of King Darius the Great. And in his day when King Darius the Great would get his gold-plated chariot motorcade together and run through the streets, minus the motor, but he'd have his chariots and they would run through. People would grab their children and step back and say, Respect, that's King Darius. The great. Wah, wah, wah. That's what would happen. In addition to all of his success as a military genius, which were many, many, many victories and a lot of success in his military conquests, King Darius was a shrewd businessman. He established a currency for his entire kingdom. He called it the Derrick, no doubt named after himself, which is what you do when your name is King Darius the Great. But that's not all. In addition to that, King Darius built roads. He established a postal system and commercial shipping. He was UPS before UPS knew about UPS. And his ability to bring revenue into his kingdom to create money to sustain everything that was happening was legendary. But that's not all. In addition to that, King Darius established a state banking system where he would offer lines of credit and loans to clients. But that's not all. King Darius, the great, also built canals and underground waterways, and he built a very powerful navy to protect his vast and growing empire. He truly was Darius, the great. But there was one thing that King Darius didn't have, and he wanted to get his hands on it. And so he began to bring in the smartest minds in the kingdom and his military strategists because he wanted Babylon, another kingdom. And it wasn't his. And so he began to dream about the day where he could take over Babylon and incorporate that into his growing kingdom and empire. And so he got his minds together and they devised a way. And at 62 years of age, King Darius invaded Babylon and he got it. He took it. It was his. But Darius had been around the block a few times and he knew he would need somebody on the inside. 
He didn't know Babylon, and he didn't know the culture, and he didn't know the people, and so he wanted somebody who knew the city and knew the people like the back of his hand, somebody that he could trust, and somebody that the people of Babylon could trust as well. And so as King Darius, the great, began to talk about who this individual could be, one name kept popping up again and again and again. And King Darius did his homework and he found this individual to be filled with integrity. And he had more success and more victories within the kingdom. He was a better political advisor and administrator than everyone else. His name was Daniel. Here's what else we know about Daniel. Daniel was a follower of God. And all he had ever done with his life was obey God, please God, and follow God. And now he's being recognized for the talent that he is by a great individual. And so at 80 years of age, one day, Daniel gets a knock on the door. He opens the door, and there, in all of his glory and splendor, it's King Darius, the great. Wah, wah, wah. And King Darius looked at Daniel and said, I've heard about you, and I've read about you. I've done my homework. You are incredible, and you are more successful than all of the other administrators and politicians in Babylon, and I want you to be my right-hand man. I want to give this kingdom to you, and I need your help. See, Daniel was full of integrity and he was very successful and now he's being recognized for it and given a grand opportunity by Darius the Great. But not everybody was cracked up about Daniel. Some of the other politicians and administrators hated his skill, hated his success, hated his recognition, they hated his God. And so they began to think of a way that they could take down Daniel. And so that's where we pick up with the story. If you have a Bible or a smart device, I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 3 about King Darius, the great, and Daniel, the great follower of God. So here's what we discover In verse 3, it says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now, I want to pause there before we read on and say, I believe if you work God's way at work, you'll get rewarded for it. Might not be exactly what you want, but you will be rewarded if you work God's way at work. The other thing that you can really get from this is if you're 80 plus and you're in the room, God's got stuff for you. So be encouraged with that because that's Daniel, given just a huge responsibility here at 80 years of age. Verse 4, then, and there's always a then in the story, right? Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, 
and completely trustworthy. If you want to excel at work, try this. Right, Daniel, he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. We'll just find another way. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue the sign uh, and sign this law so it cannot be changed an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Hey, Darius, did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Isn't that what you said? Isn't that what you implemented? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, guess what? He's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The word den there means a pit. It it indicates something that was in the ground that you would stand over and throw something into, or in this case, throw people into. And so the king gives the order, throw Daniel into this den of lions, this pit in the ground. And the king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. So goes the story of King Darius the Great and Daniel the Great Follower of God. And it kind of brings up this question. 
If Daniel is this individual who all he has ever done is follow God, obey God, and please God, and yet he finds himself in a pit with animals who want to eat him, what does that mean for the rest of us, right? Like Daniel, his whole life just being obedient to God, just following God, just giving himself to God, and now he's trapped. Now he's stuck. Now he's out of options. And if that happens to a guy like Daniel, what about the rest of us? This is our big idea for today. And that is keep running toward God even when you're disappointed and you feel trapped. Okay? And I want us to really concentrate on this today. I mean, I really want us to kind of push stuff out because I think many of us find ourselves in moments where we're in a den and we're trapped and we're disappointed and we're angry and we're frustrated at God. Like, hello? God, can't you see? I mean, aren't you going to help me out? Aren't you going to do something for me? And we know all the stories about how God does stuff for other people. But when it comes time for us, we just feel like we're in a pit and the stone has been rolled over us and there are absolutely no options. So I want us to really think about how is it possible when we find ourselves in that place, and maybe you're there right now, and that's just what it feels like, and that's where you're sitting, and that's where you're existing. So how in that place can we keep running toward God when we're trapped and we're very disappointed? Throughout the summer, we've been taking our weeks to just talk about some different spiritual disciplines, some things that if we got better at, and we just invested some time and we practiced them, it would just take our friendship with God to a brand new level and we would have a there's more kind of relationship with God. But it takes time and it takes intention and it takes a lot of effort to take out these different disciplines, kind of dust them off and say, okay, I need to do this. Today I'm going to introduce another spiritual discipline that fits well into this big idea that I think is going to give all of us a lot of hope as we walk out of here that we truly can keep running toward God even when we're disappointed and we feel trapped like Daniel because he's there. He's in the pit. Stone's been rolled over. King Darius, the great, has even sealed the stone. Nobody can rescue Daniel. So what happens? And what does he do? And how can we respond to this? So the spiritual discipline that we're going to unpack today is the spiritual discipline of endurance. How is it that we endure? And we're going to define endurance this way. It's the ability to keep running toward God even when we're disappointed and feel trapped. Let me ask you this question. Ever been disappointed with God? Like ever? Let's just be honest this morning. Let's keep it real. I'm raising my hand. I've been disappointed with God. And several of you are doing the same. There are those moments where we just begin to wonder, Hello? God, are you going to do something? Maybe that disappointment is a failed relationship. Like you asked for God's help and it just didn't appear. Or maybe it's a sickness. Or it's an injustice and you look out and you see this injustice and you know God has to see this as well and why doesn't God do anything about that? Or maybe it's starving children around the world or the great 
issue of poverty and how devastating that is for people. Or maybe you just look out and you see evil people getting their way. And where is God? Or maybe it's a death or an unanswered prayer. Or just fill in your own blank of what you see and you're wondering where in the world is God and you're disappointed and you feel trapped and maybe you're even a bit angry. Ever been disappointed? I think we've all been there. And it's in that place, it's in that moment that we begin to say, or at least we think, God, you could have, or God, why didn't you, or God, where were you? It's kind of those moments where uh, heaven just feels silent. Like you're doing your job and you're lifting up prayers and you're asking for God. It just seems like heaven is silent. Ever been there? Maybe you're there now. I think it's where we find Daniel in chapter 6. And while the paragraph doesn't necessarily say that he was angry and he was filled with fear, I think there is no doubt when you're sitting next to creatures that desire to devour you, there is probably some level of fear and some level of disappointment. All this from a guy who had given his whole life, I mean his entire life, If you take time to read through Daniel chapters 1 through 5, you discover Daniel was full of integrity and God saved him on many different occasions. And it's in this moment, I'm sure, that Daniel began to think, is God going to rescue me again? I mean, I know he's done it in the past, but have I exhausted the goodness of God? And I'm stuck here in this pit with animals that are going to kill me. This doesn't sound like a grand retirement plan. It really doesn't. So just a couple of thinking points that jump right out of chapter 6. Number one, with whatever Daniel was feeling, which again, we're kind of guessing here and we're kind of imagining this, but with whatever Daniel was feeling, he never stopped doing the next right thing. And we're going to discover that in just a moment. As frightened as he was, as scared as he might have been, Daniel never stopped doing the next right thing that was in front of him. He thought about it, he identified it, and he began to implement that. And that's one of the things that we all have to do when we feel trapped and stuck and we're disappointed with God. We have to discover the next right thing for us. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's going to be different for everybody in here. That's why we have to think and we have to discover what is this next right thing for me. I've got to chase that when I'm trapped. Second thought is following God is often hard. It's often hard. Quite honestly, that's a disappointing thing to hear, isn't it? Because a lot of people assume when I come to Christ, it's all rainbows and bunnies, right? Like it's Princess Sophia all of the time, and this is just a grand thing. And there are so many benefits to trusting in God, and He is so worth giving our lives to. But following God is a hard thing. Living by faith is difficult, and it takes work, and it takes effort, and so often we back away from that because we don't want to put in the effort, and when the rain comes and when we're trapped, we get very disappointed with God, and we just stop searching for the next right thing, and we get hurt and down because we don't understand that following God takes effort. It's not always easy. So what happens to Daniel? We don't want to leave him there. Let's discover what happened. Verse 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried over to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, 
servant of the living God? Was your God, whom you served so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. And I think this is just a really comical thing here. Because quite honestly, you get the sense that there's all of this emotion And the king is running down there as soon as the law would allow him to get there. And they're pushing back the stone. And there is just a sense of what are we going to discover and what are we going to find. And I think King Darius, the great, wanted to discover that Daniel was alive and he wasn't strewn about the pit. And so he asked the question and Daniel answers. And just kind of this low-key, chill way, long live the king. Right? Like, I just find that funny. You can almost picture the stone being rolled away and a little bit of light begins to shine down into that pit. And there in the corner is Daniel. And he's just sitting there, maybe doing a little bit of this. Because I think that's how you pet lions. I think, I'm not sure, but you know, I've never done that. But he's just doing some of this. And he shouts out in his chill, kind of calm way, Hey, long live the king. It's remarkable. And then he said, My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. Of course, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. And then get this, not a scratch was found on him. And maybe what's even more remarkable than that is this statement, for he had trusted in his God. Incredible. Not a scratch was found on Daniel as he just kind of sat there in a chill way. And it's not because Daniel was that amazing. It's simply because he chose to trust in his God. Wait. Like, isn't all this God's fault? Like, God didn't save him. God didn't rescue him from being thrown into the pit in the first place. But yet, even in that moment, we find Daniel giving credit and he's trusting God, that's endurance. It's running toward God even when you feel disappointed and trapped, and there's no greater example than what we've just read here from the life of Daniel. I want to share just a few takeaways to help us assimilate this as we think about whatever pit we might be in right now. And I want you to think about yourself and your own circumstance and whatever it is that might be causing you to be disappointed and have that feeling of entrapment. Before I share the takeaways, I want to read from Hebrews chapter 12, a couple of verses, and they say this, Let us run with endurance. There's our word. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith. You see that word race there? The athletic metaphor presents the faith-filled life as a demanding, grueling venture. Again, it's not easy. It's actually from that word race that we get the English word agony. And so you could go back and you could say, let us run with endurance, the race. You could also say it this way, let us run with endurance, the agony. It's not going to be easy. There will be those moments where we are disappointed and trapped. So let us run with endurance the agony that God has set before us. 
We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So if we want to endure, if we want to keep running toward God when we're trapped and disappointed, here's what it takes. We've got the answer right here in Hebrews chapter 12. Eyes on Jesus all the time. Eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. A lot of this instead of this. We kind of fall into this trap all of the time and we begin to look at all of the junk and all of the stuff happening around us and we get overwhelmed and we find ourselves in that pit and the stone gets rolled over us and it's a bad, bad place to be. So eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Even in the pit with the stone over, Daniel had eyes on Jesus and it made all of the difference in the world. Now maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what? I'm not so sure this applies to me because my life is great. Like I'm in a wonderful season with God right now and I don't feel like I'm in a pit. I don't feel disappointed with God. And my relationship, my friendship with God has never been stronger. It's never been better. Well, that's amazing. I'm really happy for you and I want to let you know that you have a responsibility. If this is the current season of your life, you're filled with joy and contentment in your relationship with God, know two things. One, the storm is coming. There will be something that happens in life that will cause you to be disappointed and feel trapped. That's in the future. It will happen. It just does. The second thing you need to understand is that if you're in a season of joy and peace, then God fully intends for you to take your life and what's happening on the inside and look around you and find those different individuals who find themselves trapped and disappointed with God and cry with them and carry their burden and sustain them and be with them and help them in every way that you possibly can. That's our role. That's our responsibility if we're in that season of joy. But if you're feeling trapped, a little disappointed, here's some takeaways. Number one, endure through confession. And I think this is where we start because it gives us the opportunity to have that clean slate with God where we just get really low and really humble and we confess all of the stuff to God. He already knows about it, but he invites us to confess. As a matter of fact, he tells us in Scripture, if you confess, and that word confess there means say the same thing about your sin that I would say about it. Don't excuse it. Don't gloss over it. You just acknowledge that this is what God thinks about this and this is how God feels about this. So if we confess, if we say the same thing about our sin that God says, here's what God will do. And this is wonderful. God says, I will confess or I will cleanse and I will clean you from all unrighteousness. So if you do this, here's what I will do. Confession. Say the same thing about sin that God says, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I will clean you up. And so when we think about enduring and moving toward God, it begins with confession, having the slate clean. Secondly, endure by doing the next right thing. And again, that's going to be different for all of us because one size doesn't fit all. So you need to think about what's next in front of me. Do I need to seek forgiveness from someone? Do I need to become more generous with my time or my resources? 
Do I need to volunteer in a greater way so I can use the talents that God has given me to benefit others? Do I need to invite someone to experience the goodness of God by bringing them with me and having them fill the chair here at Valley Point Church? Maybe for some of you, that right next step is trusting in Jesus alone to save you. And you've avoided that, and you've pushed back on that for whatever reason. Maybe that's the next right thing in front of you. Again, this is different for all of us, but if we're going to endure when we're frustrated and disappointed and when we have all of these questions, we've got to discover what's the next right thing for me. Thirdly, endure by taking all questions, doubts, anger, and fear straight to God. Straight to God. See, this is part of the eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. Here's why we can do that. God is big, and he is strong, and he is completely capable of handling all of our fears, all of our doubts, and even all of our anger. We can give it to him. We can leave it there, and he will help us begin the process of enduring. Honestly, this might be one of the most difficult spiritual disciplines to embrace because it hits us at the core of how we practically live and how we practically function, where we just get disappointed with what goes on around us and we kind of shut down. So the challenge today is, let's think about the spiritual discipline of endurance. Living by faith is a race. It involves hard work. And so let's endure by running toward God with all of our questions and all of our stuff, and let's do that through confession Let's do that by identifying the next right thing for us and let's endure by just taking everything consistently and regularly to God and leaving it right there. I think if we do that, we will find our friendship with God at a whole new level and we'll have a there's more kind of relationship with our creator who simply and longingly wants all of us to endure. Father, we're thankful for Daniel chapter 6. And what a great story we discover here about an individual who was trapped, stuck. He was in a bad place. And I don't think there were too many people, if any at all, that thought he would get out of that mess or he would survive that predicament. But yet, God, even with his disappointment and his entrapment. And he kept running toward you even in a very scary situation. God, if Daniel can do that, certainly we can do the same. So God, I pray that you just help each and every one of us right now as we just assimilate and contemplate what you want for us to be thinking about what's next. And what is it that you're asking of us? God, I pray that you'd help us not to just walk out of here and not identify that and not think about it. Help us not to be too casual about this thought of running toward you when we're disappointed and when we're trapped. God, that doesn't always feel good, but it's something that needs to happen. So help us. Help us. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you're here today.
and you feel like you're in a pit. Like you get it. The story makes a lot of sense to you. And you've got things ready to devour you right there, and it's dark. And you're disappointed, you're scared, you're frustrated, and you're angry because of what's happened to you. But yet you're getting a little bit today. Okay, maybe God has something for me and I need to endure by running to Him. And you don't have necessarily all that figured out, but yet yet it sounds good to you. Like you're ready to go there. I want you to do something. With eyes closed, heads bowed, would you just simply raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I just want to pray over you. So if you feel like you're there, just put your hand up. Will you do that right now? All over the room, just put your hand up. Feel trapped, disappointed, frightened. You can put your hands down. Anybody else want to just say, hey, pray for me. I'm there. God, I'm so thankful for the honesty that we see happening right here in this room. And God, I want to pray for each person who's bold enough to raise their hand and say, I'm there. Trapped, I'm stuck, I'm frightened, angry, and all kinds of other emotions piled up on top of that as well. God, I want to pray for each person who raised their hand right now. God, I pray that you'd give them a courage to put their eyes on you and to choose to endure, to run to you, not run away from you. That's our tendency. But God, help us to lean into you even when it doesn't feel right. And God, whether that's confession or choosing the right next step or just taking all of our questions and fears and anger to you or a combination of all three of those things, God, I pray for every person who raised their hand that you give them clarity on what you want them to do as they walk out of here in just a moment. God, I pray that this would be so much more than just another Sunday at church. Another 60 minutes of singing and hearing some teaching. God, I pray that you'd use your word and this amazing story to impact our hearts and to help us take out the spiritual discipline of endurance and just dust it off and say, we're going to get there. We're going to endure the agony in front of us. God, help us to do that. Give us all strength to be obedient to you, like Daniel, as we walk out of here in just a bit. And God, we're going to thank you now for the victory you provide, for the favor that you give us with others, and for just the hope that we will experience because we choose to endure. God, we pray all of this. Jesus' name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.